Hi! Before we start this episode, I just want to give a little bit of disclaimer. This episode is going to be talking about some topics that are really heavy, and if you're not in the right headspace, it can be really damaging to just your mental health and your spiritual health. So please practice self-care and wisdom. We're going to be talking about deconstruction um, and how it can affect us and the just that whole topic around it. So please practice self-care. We love you. God loves you, and we hope that you are living just in his light and trusting him as you listen to this podcast. So we hope you'll be blessed in the most chaotic way possible. Yes. And enjoy, and your, enjoy coffee. your coffee. <laughs> so, hi! Hello! Greetings! Salutations! It's been a long time. Yeah! Wow! Oh man, I think it's been a month. Yeah, just over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I should clarify, so we just got over spring, out of spring break. Christmas break. Or Christmas break. Wow, I have no concept of reality. Um, but I had a concussion right before. For the two weeks before yeah. that, so hence no content has been put out. My my deepest apologies to all four of our very <laughs> listeners. Yeah. We are so sorry. <laughs> Although I've been told that the episodes with me concussed are a couple people's favorite episodes, which makes me sad because I feel like the best content I can give is when I'm under brain trauma. I think it shows that absolutely none of you listen to us in order to, I don't know, be, be benefited or to be, like, exhorted or anything. It's literally just to listen to some, to a couple idiots just banter. Mostly to laugh at me. Mostly. I'm sure they laugh at me, too. Don't worry. Um, oh, thank you for that reassurance. You're welcome. Ugh. So, Pam, you have a story to tell. Oh. From this morning. Yeah. Okay, so I didn't sleep great right last night. Um, I think I fell asleep at 6.40, and Aaron came into my room at six fifty or 9.15 saying, Pam, I thought we were recording a podcast. And so, I was way more gentle than that. I yeah. said, good morning. But yeah, she was I very started good. out very nicely, and I said, are we doing podcast? That's my morning, <laughs> yeah. morning talking to Pam voice, because she's very angry when she first wakes up. So I have to calm the beast, <laughs> tame it quickly. <laughs> In order to save my skin. Continue. It's true. What did I wake you up from? You woke me up from the most magnificent dream, so I probably would have been aggressive if you hadn't been so strategic. Because I was an Avenger. <laughs> an Avenger. An Avenger. And I was hanging out with Chris Evans because he is the best Avenger. And That's we... a hot take. Anyways, continue. It's not even. It's straight facts. But anyway, we were hanging out. And we there was an alien invasion, and we had to save the planet. But Aaron, for some reason, was really, really dedicated to going to the mountains. And so before I was hanging out with her seven, she was like, we're going to this cabin, and we're taking your parents, and we're going to this cabin. And I was I like, I took Nancy okay. and Peter. That's great. You did. I'm and so, so we're in this so cabin. And then you're Mostly because like, I love hanging out yeah, with your parents. My parents are pretty cool. Your parents are great. But then I was just like hang now in this cabin and Aaron was like no we're going to a different cabin because I want to and I was like okay whatever so we're on the way to this other cabin and then Chris Evan comes out of nowhere and is like Pam we have to go save the world from aliens I'm like okay let's go and then Aaron was like excuse me we're going to the mountains and just like not having it and letting Captain America know that she was not having that I was going to go save the world because she wanted to go hang out in the mountains I really love the mountains well, I'm glad that your subconscious has me so mm-hmm. perfectly summed up mm-hmm. in reality as well. It's true. Because I'm, I'm definitely that pushy, and I definitely yep. hang out in the mountains a lot. Yep. 
I don't. No, I live but in Saskatchewan. You wish you did. I do wish I did. But I then I'm in the middle. Captain America takes me away to go plan things, and I'm sitting with him. We're planning how we're gonna stop this alien invasion, and Aaron just runs in like Pam. The mountains. <laughs> they are calling. Anyways, and that was the dream. That's what I woke you up from. Yeah, that's what she woke me up from. She was, was a little mad at me. Well, we were walking here, and you were really quiet, and I was like, okay, she just woke up, so so maybe she's just quiet. But I was like, nah, there's a little more to that. I was like, did you sleep good? And then and then it all spilled out, and you're just like, you woke me up from the best dream ever. So I was oh, kept hanging out with Captain America. <laughs> So I don't know if you figured out who my one of my favorite adventures are. It may or may not be Captain America. Or Aaron McDonald. <laughs> no. I think you all can see the look on her face without seeing it. Just just say. My favorite Avengers are kept not in any particular order, it varies from moment to moment. Captain America, Scarlet Witch, Black Panther. Okay, Pam, Pam, Pam. Drink your coffee. And I'll tell you what you're drinking. That's probably more useful than me talking about Avengers. Probably. Can I talk about Avengers someday? Not on the podcast. Oh. This is not with unless unless we talk about like some secular trends stuff and like new age new age stuff through Avengers. We could do that. Actually, that could be next week's podcast. I'd be I'd be down for that. We'll just let you nerd out, and I'll tell you why it's completely unbiblical. And crush your hopes and dreams into pieces, and then blow them away. What am I drinking, Aaron? You are drinking... <laughs> you are drinking a Nicaraguan San Juan Rio Coco. That is a lot of words, Travis. That's a lot of words. I think you're making these up at Honestly, this point. Honestly, you just, you just laugh at a bunch us. of places. Nicaraguan San Juan Rio Coco. It has notes of brown sugar, almond, citrus peel, and milk chocolate. It and I'm made, tasting all of them. It was made with it's delicious. pour over, and it is so smooth. Oh my word, this, this is, is good. delicious. This is a good This cup is of delicious. Coffee. I also made it good and strong. Like, this is strong. I made a good, because I need it after I was I made a whole carafe of coffee, because I knew this, uh, this subject coming up would be an interesting one, it to sure say is. the least. So, we are talking about deconstruction, if yeah. you heard that little uh, disclaimer at the beginning. Or maybe you skipped it. But yeah. we're talking about deconstruction, which is not the nicest subject in the world. I'm sure if you've yeah. been on the internet at all, you may have seen maybe a lot of ex-evangelical, that's a popular hashtag at the moment, or a lot of videos that say why I deconstructed, all sorts of things popping up all over the internet. It's become actually a bit of a trend uh, over the last four or five years or so. I've seen it really get big in the last... Two or three years, though, it's like, that's when it's really taken off. So, Pam, what is deconstruction? Basically, if you get to the very bare bones of it, deconstruction is taking your faith, looking at all the different elements of it, and breaking it down. Whether it be because you don't believe it anymore, because you're trying to understand what you believe. Um, yeah, the way I described it to one person at one point was, basically, there's a wall of bricks, and you're starting to notice that these bricks are kind of falling apart and crumbling. So you take it down, and you look at each brick to see which ones are good bricks, 
and which ones need to be fixed or replaced. Okay, well, that doesn't sound so bad, though. So why is yep. this such a hot-button issue? Okay. This, so, okay. First off, we saw over the last few years, um, a lot of celebrity Christians, mainstream Christians, mm-hmm. well-known Christians, deconstruct. Um, Rhett and Link was a big one. Oh, yeah, that uh, was a big Josh one. Harris uh, was a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, members of Hillsong. Um, there's so many podcasts on deconstruction. I think of the Deconstructionist podcast. Um, we saw members of the Emergent Church, the founding members of the Emergent Church. I think two of them deconstructed. Like, there's big names that people looked... The problem starts with we looked to other Christians for our faith instead mm. of Christ. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the root problems and one of the root causes of deconstruction, um, especially in the social media age and the age of Bible studies and allowing, like, where oh, those we, Bible studies. No, like, the ones where we get videos <laughs> uh, for the Bible study. Oh, and, I see like, what you're saying. Okay, yeah, this, yeah, A celebrity pastor will put out this video and, and then that's the whole Bible study. everyone watches it and yeah. then suddenly this pastor comes out and says, actually, I don't believe this. And then everyone who watched that yeah. Bible study is thinking, oh no, what, well, what do I do with all of the yeah. words that they told me? Are any of them true? Yeah, exactly. And so we got that. Like, a lot Josh, of authors too. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You know what? People just disappoint us. And people we're always do. so surprised. And so I think of Josh Harris, like, I kissed ga- dating goodbye was a really formational and I would argue toxic view of oh, relationships. Oh, that's another that's podcast. That's my hot take. Um, and that's they a whole other podcast. see these people who like were really devout followers to these people, and then they just suddenly decide, well, I don't follow Christ anymore. And some, everybody else is like, well, should I be following Christ anymore? Yeah. And so I think that's one of the big things. Um, TikTok is a whole other rant. Um, I had TikTok for about three days. Mostly so we could follow Joe Joe Hall. Yeah. Actually, and solely so that you could follow Joe Joe yep. Hall. I was there when you created the TikTok and account. And I liked a few Christian things, and immediately my feed was flooded with deconstructionist. Yeah. And I think that... That is the face of Christianity today. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. On my Instagram... Same thing. Mm-hmm. I started out following a few Christians, and now I'm flooded with deconstructionists. Yep. Admittedly, I followed two of them, just for two very different views. Yep. One who deconstructed well and is actually now in seminary to become, well, whether you believe this is okay or not, she's going to be a pastor. She's studying Greek and Hebrew, and she's really good at exegeting the Bible, and I'll get into why she was a better well. deconstructionist yeah. Than other people who are just like, no, God is not real, or hell is not real, like, throwing out key doctrines. And I think that's the key difference between them, mm-hmm. is, first off, the one deconstructionist I follow that I admire decided, okay, I'm not going to anybody, I'm just going to scripture. And so she basically, she, her church had just blow like, she had to leave her church because it was... Um, they're teaching things that she couldn't agree with, and she was starting to get really confused about what her belief system was going to be because she didn't believe, like, the church that she'd grown up in was mm-hmm. getting really toxic. So she left, and she said, I'm just going to read the Bible. I'm going to go through it piece 
by piece, I'm going to learn Biblical Greek and Hebrew, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to figure out what's in this book. And she tore apart a bunch of doctrines that she was told. Yeah. And she just went to scripture. Mm Mm-hmm. And... And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, like, doctrines... Doctrines are so important. Mm -hmm. And good doctrine is important, but we get good doctrine from scripture. Like... Doctrine should be shaped by scriptures, and the common thread I see in all of these videos that I've watched of deconstructionists are that they talk about their doctrines, and in my head I'm thinking, well, that's not a biblical doctrine. Mm -hmm. They talk about all of these as if they're synonymous with scripture. And it's like, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. Doctrine is just something, doctrine is something we use to sum up key ideas in scripture that are important for us to follow. Mm -hmm. That's the point of doctrine. That's mm-hmm. it. it, it it's, it's only to just, so you don't, like, mm-hmm. it's a very thick book. And in a short amount of time, you could list some doctrines of, like, well, this is what the book teaches. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot easier to explain to someone, well, here's what the book teaches. With all these deconstructionists, I hear, well, ones that don't go mm-hmm. well, uh, mm-hmm. other than this positive example you're using, like, they're talking about these doctrines. I'm like, huh, that's not a biblical doctrine. Yeah. Or, and often, the biggest one I see is women. Who have been in often the UPCI, it's the United Pentecostal uh, Church of yeah. something. Uh, UPCI is a really dangerous. I even hesitate to say denomination. I would label them as a cult. Absolutely, they are the ones who they tell women you cannot cut your hair; it is your glory. Mm-hmm. So if you cut your hair, you're sinning. They always wear extremely modest clothing, which there's nothing wrong with modesty or not cutting your hair. That's not the point. It's the point is they're telling these women that their identity is found mm-hmm. in their hair and how they treat their husbands and in how mm-hmm. all of these things. And there's so much abuse that goes on within that. Mm-hmm. And I've I've heard a lot of people who are talking about deconstruction. Same with Mormons. Also, Mormons, very similar. Mormons? Mormons um, and UPCI where it's like you're deconstructing from a cult. One of the most intense deconstructionists that comes up on my feed, feed the most often Deconstructed from Bethel. Hmm. Um, and... Which is cult-y. Cult-y. Not necessarily a full-blown cult. And Gotta take each individual Bethel yeah. church by their own merit. My... I think... The... Like, one reason is we idolize Christians. Instead of scripture. And I think the other is we start with a low view of scripture Mm -hmm. you know i just got out of a um creation evidences um mod yeah and i'm not gonna sit here and talk about whether or not you believe in creation and evolution (laughs) got out of it like you were in prison (laughs) yeah and i know hey um it was too much science so much science right (laughs) science hurts me but i don't know which one you would have preferred i i was in homiletics, which is the study of preaching. Yeah. And so that meant I listened to 16 sermons in two days, which is fantastic and encouraging. But, oh, my word, drinking from a fire hose, and now I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. But, and I'm not going to sit here and say that, like, you know, you can, I'm going to disclaimer this sentence. You can be a theistic evolutionist and a Christian. You can be an old earth, or old earth person and a Christian. I personally am a young earth and a Christian. However, how you view scripture, and for example, and one of the things the prof said is, if you have a low view of Genesis, you're going to have a low view of scripture. It's the formational, foundational part of scripture. A big problem that 
I see is people just have a low view of scripture. Mm. And it's almost back to the garden. Almost. Of, it is. Yeah. Totally. It's, it's a direct parallel to the garden. Yeah. Because what, what was the yeah. first thing he said that the serpent said yeah. to Eve to tempt her? Mm-hmm. He said, did God really say? Exactly. And did God really say is, and it's so important to ask yourself and when you're being tempted, like yeah. what's being asked here is like, did, are you questioning mm-hmm. something that God said? And in our culture, that sounds like, mm-hmm. oh, he's a tyrant. He's a totalitarian. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's in control. That sounds like the root of all evil is someone mm-hmm. who has has all control. It's hilarious because never mind. That's gonna get into politics. Yep. Um, but like <laughs> we're not talking politics. And it's so funny because that's something that <laughs> these de- I've heard these deconstructionists say is the words "Did God really say?" comes out of their mouth, and I just sit there like, Sorry, do you we, hear yourself? Yeah. we just went back to Genesis chapter three, mm-hmm. and it's it's heartbreaking, but like. Yeah, did God really say that, you know, he loves us and then really say that hell was real? Did God really say that you can't live immorally? Did God really say that, you know, like, that women can't be pastors? Did God really say, and they just go back and forth and decide that if God really said that, then he's not a God worth following. Or they'll say, like, they'll use arguments of evolution and say, you know, God can't have existed because we evolved. Mm-hmm. Or we'll use, you know, just any argument mm-hmm. under the sun. And when you've already got a low view of scripture, it doesn't really matter. Well, low, view scri- low view of scripture goes hand in hand with the low view mm-hmm. of God. Mm-hmm. The scripture is the word of God mm-hmm. in which he makes so many mm-hmm. wonderful promises mm-hmm. for all who fear him. Mm-hmm. That's a really weird statement to make. Mm-hmm. But I'll give an example. Uh, book of Amos? Amos says that I will come and dwell in your midst. Mm-hmm. There's one part where God's talking and he's saying, I will be in your midst. To someone who loves God and who fears him in the right way. Like, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible talks a lot about the fear of the Lord. Our culture hates that. Because we hate the idea of someone else being in control of our lives. We hate the idea of not having our own autonomy. in any Like, what God's sovereign and in control, well, I don't want to follow him then because I want to do my own thing. I want, to, I want to be me. I want to be my true self. And God's not letting me be my true self. And so I have to go against that. So to someone who loves God, the words, I will dwell in your midst, is the most wonderful, beautiful promise we could ever hear. And we think of the person, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is God incarnate. He came and dwelt in our midst. And we think that's the best thing I've ever heard in my life. That's why it's the good news. The good news is that God would dwell in our midst. To someone who hates God, someone who has a low view of scripture and a low view of God, who thinks God is a tyrant, who thinks God's just arrogant. You know, he's not arrogant because he's not fallen. The only reason it's prideful for us to say, well, I'm jealous for something. I want this for me is because we are fallen, sinful humans Mm -hmm. who don't know what's best for us. Mm -hmm. We don't know. We are not all knowing. God is 
Hmm. And so when someone hears, I'll dwell in your midst and they hate God, they think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That there can't be anything worse than that is God dwelling mm-hmm. in their midst because it means that this totalian arrogant he's jealous for me wow he needs he needs to ha- I've heard God's insecure I've heard that said and it makes it makes me weep because that is such a low view of the God of the universe the reason he's not arrogant is because he's worthy he is worthy of it if I demanded worship you'd all say well Aaron. First off, that's some blasphemy right there. But like that's, you're arrogant because you're not worthy of worship. Well, that's, and that would be very true. But God is worthy of worship. So worthy, completely worthy of all of our worship. So him saying he's jealous for our worship mm-hmm. is the opposite of arrogance. Mm-hmm. That's my, that's my rant. Oh, it's, like, and, and yeah. it's a common thread with all of the deconstructionists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like, Another key thing that, like, we're talking about motives, it can be idolizing, it can be, like, a low view of scripture, and it can be spiritual trauma and abuse, and I think... Which, that know, gets thrown out a lot. That gets thrown but, out a lot, but I think that can so be So what does that mean? Can, can we break that down a like, little bit? Like, basically... Deconstruct that, if you will. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just... <laughs> so basically, how I've seen it play out is the church... People expect the church to act as holy and perfect as God. Mm. And then they don't. We're fallen humans. And sometimes that means, you know, you know, church can split and stuff. But to someone who really is dedicated to church, um, has put the, like a lot of emotional equity into church. And a lot of like the church has really formed their view of scripture. That can be really traumatic to see churches split mm. and break up, um, to see mentors um, be, to see mentors who live in sin and are very destructive with it. That's a common one. I just listened to the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Um, that was arguably a very destructive borderline spiritually abusive church where mm-hmm. a lot of people left that church with spiritual trauma because they were um they were given a wrong view of scripture and a wrong view of god and when people try yeah. and re-explain redefine god and scripture and spiritual leadership mm. it it won't be yeah. what god intended yeah with Mars Hill, like, yeah. it started out so well. Mm-hmm. And, like, people who sound believers, who love the Lord, like, nothing wrong. Like, they they really just wanted to know God better, and that's that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what we're supposed to do. And Mars Hill started out so well, and then there was a slow shift, and then suddenly it dropped. And those people were all left. It's like, well, what on earth mm-hmm. do we do now? Mm-hmm. Like, just just that's, the carpet yeah. ripped out from under their feet. Yeah, and, you know, I actually don't recommend listening to The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. I listened to it because it was a hot-button topic with a lot of my friends, and I wanted to know what was going on. I also remember, like, Mark Driscoll was one of the most formational, he wrote one of the most formational books that I ever read on doctrine, Um, which, you know, it's funny that someone who had such good doctrine ended up 
being a reason a lot of people fall apart, and I think that goes back to a wrong view of how mm. pastors, like, are celebritized and things like that. It goes so much to, like, mm-hmm. what Jesus said about the Pharisees, about being whitewashed tombs. And he said, do as they say. They're saying mm-hmm. good things. They're talking from the Torah. Mm-hmm. But don't do as they do because mm-hmm. they're hypocrites. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know what? I still have Mark Driscoll's book on my shelf. I use it yeah. in papers you know often. What? And he said a lot of really great things that are... I'm going to continue that. Really well said from the scriptures. Mm-hmm. But he was a whitewashed tomb. Yep. He is and a whitewashed tomb. I really tomb. hope that he repented. Um, I pray that he did. But he still has time. I, one of the people I follow is one of the people who had to leave Mars Hill. Her her podcast is actually called Body Behind the Bus, which is something that he referred to as someone who doesn't agree with him. He'll throw him off the bus and run over them, and it'll just be a body behind the bus, and he's doing the Lord's work. And I think, yeah. So she she's one person who was really traumatized by. Mars Hill. Mm. And I think that that's another element or like even just any crisis can push us into deconstruction mm-hmm. because it's easy to look at crisis and say, well, was God actually good? Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. is God's love? What is goodness? What is holiness? What is sovereignty? What is sovereignty? That's the big one. You know, we're in the middle of a pretty like what a lot of psychologists would call a traumatic event. Mm. with covid yeah and it's easy to look at everything yeah. going on in the world and say and, and say, question his own yeah, and, and yeah own and question like you know he this this deadly virus is going around yeah. and god's just like yep it's like i've been told that mm-hmm. well this from from mm-hmm. these people they're saying well, i've been told that god is all knowing and all mm-hmm. wise so mm-hmm. why would he do something that's unwise mm-hmm. in my eyes yeah or like people who had cancer yeah. People who, or lost loved ones yeah. to cancer and had yeah. to watch them suffer. People who came out of abusive relationships mm-hmm. or abusive homes, especially if those abusive homes were labeled as Christian homes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and and I, I always hesitate to say trauma. Trauma is mm-hmm. a really weird word these days because it's been way mm-hmm. overused. Mm-hmm. Over, overused. And I, if you're anything like me, sometimes when you hear trauma, my first thought is, is it really trauma? Mm-hmm. Because I've just heard it being used mm-hmm. so flippantly that now anyone who has legitimate trauma mm-hmm. is now... Illegitimized. Well, illegitimized, and, and that is wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I think you should you should take each person individually, mm-hmm. question things before you make assumptions, mm-hmm. and figure out, okay, what's really mm-hmm. real here? Here we're just using these terms, these especially mm-hmm. young women. Yeah. I think teen, teenage girls have all these big words they don't always know the meaning to. And, and sometimes people do abuse mm-hmm. words that are very serious in order to get attention. It does happen. Gaslighting. It's called gaslighting. And it is, it, it, but it's a real thing. And you know what? Anyone who's going to gaslight like that has some issue. Like, no, healthy people don't do that. Just mm-hmm. saying. So, like, if you're just a little caveat about trauma, that if someone is claiming trauma, but they weren't actually traumatized about something, there's another issue that they have, because healthy people don't claim false trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the issue is different, but they still need help, okay? And they still need prayer, and they still need Jesus. Amen. So, I, this is something I've learned from many years of youth work, mm-hmm. that if someone's pain and trauma is in doubt 
It's like, okay, were you really abused? Because abused is a big word. Mm-hmm. Serious word with a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that comes along with that. Maybe, maybe they were. Maybe they were. Maybe they weren't. It doesn't matter. It really isn't for you to decide. You help them. You treat them with love. You mm-hmm. care for them. And you let them know that Jesus is the one who can truly help them. And then whatever their issue is, it mm-hmm. is no longer your responsibility mm-hmm. to make sure that issue is resolved in some senses. Now, people who are actually being abused, please help them. Please, please help them. Please save them. Take them out of that situation. So you got, you got to take each. It is unfortunate that that's the way our culture is with the, the phones. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got a million things in their pocket telling them, oh, well, this is a way I can get attention. This is a way I can feel loved. This is a way that people might might actually show that they care about me. Mm-hmm. It is a tragic thing in our culture. Mm-hmm. And that means that people are putting on the sirens yeah. when there might not actually be the problem that they think mm-hmm. is happening. Mm-hmm. Is that making sense? Yeah. yeah. That's that's my I, caveat about trauma. Because it but is yeah, one that bothers is, me. It is a problem. But like I think that there is a lot more... Like, there are a lot of instances of trauma that people do write off, especially in Christianity. Oh, absolutely. Because, oh. Because they don't want to, oh, yeah. I don't want to just try and find attention. It's not that bad. Yeah. I can handle it. It's like, that's also, <laughs> that's, that's the other side yeah. of it where it's like, oh, please, yeah. don't be afraid to ask for and, help. And then also, especially if the trauma comes from some aspect of Christianity, a lot of people can go, oh, no, they wouldn't actually do that. That's not actually what they meant by that. That's not... Like, that's, that's not your, like, that's not their fault. That's, and, and it can be very misleading. And then when that happens, you sit there and question God and say, question God's character, because especially I've seen this with like pastors, elders, and Christian fathers or husbands, supposedly, who say, who is supposed to be a picture of what Christ is supposed to be to the church. And Mm -hmm. instead of doing that, they've caused this, this damage and this hurt. And then these people who are in those relationships go, well, if that's what God's supposed to be, why would I want that? Yeah. Because they've been told that these people are supposed to be the pinnacle Mm. of leadership and the pinnacle. And it's still wrapping up who God is supposed to be in the identity of a fallen human. And you, here's, here's the thing also about deconstruction is there's also this false expectation of, Happy, healthy life forever, like on this earth. And I think if you come into Christianity expecting all flowers and roses and and, and nothing bad ever happening to you, well, then I'm sorry, but you have a wrong view of reality mm-hmm. and you need to kind of step back down to earth mm-hmm. a little bit. And that is also a thing like that goes along with, with, with trauma and everyone everyone claiming these things, these these issues mm-hmm. and illnesses that are... When, when really you can just boil it down to, oh, right, we live in a fallen world. We're yeah. all just experiencing the effects of being sinful. And if, if you don't approach it that way, mm-hmm. you, you'll end up having these expectations mm-hmm. of these perfect little goddess, gods and goddesses on earth. Mm-hmm. When really it's like, okay, well, we're all broken and fallen. Mm-hmm. And you should expect people to disappoint mm-hmm. you. You should. You should expect your best friends your parents, there should be a certain level of expectation that they're not perfect. They are on the road. If they're Christians, they're on the road to sanctification. They're getting better. They're becoming more like Jesus. But it's two steps forward, one step back for everyone. And if you think that they're not in that journey, 
you need to read your Bible <laughs> and know that Jesus is the only one who will never disappoint you, ever. And that's a promise. That is a strong promise stated over and over in Scripture. That's just... There's another caveat. Okay, continue. Yeah. So, um, we talked about motivation. Do we need to talk about motivation still? No? Okay. Well, can deconstruction be a good thing? This is... <laughs> hard question. This is a hard question. I rarely see deconstruction done well. And I think that's just because of the examples that I'm presented with online. Um, mm -hmm. However... God made us to be critical thinkers. He made us to be people who examine. Mm. Like, we're told, like, even if you look at the Bereans, the Bereans, when they hear Paul preach, mm -hmm. immediately, you know, he's got this reputation for being a good, good apostle, someone who walked with God. And they still took everything he said. They went back to the scriptures. And they went back to scripture. And they analyzed Old it. Testament, obviously, because yeah. that's uh, all they had. And but <laughs> but they, they examined it, and they wrestled with it, and mm -hmm. they discussed it. And I think that we don't do that enough. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason for deconstruction, mm -hmm. is people don't really think about what they believe, and then they get to a crisis, and they're just like, well, what do I believe? Mm -hmm. um, and so A faith that wasn't being filtered mm -hmm. through the eyes of God in the first yeah. place is one that will fall apart exactly and i think that people will just kind of expect everything to just make sense to them mm. and that like we kind of just put this whole faith you we use faith i think with almost too broad a brush sometimes and mm. we'll just hear something and say well it comes from someone who knows god and well our faith comes from people and not the word and then we'll even read something and be like, well, I don't really understand this, but I have faith that it's going to make sense. And then we just kind of don't think critically of it. And then... And faith should involve critical thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I think we would, we, would never be, we would never be scientists mm -hmm. or, and, and seek to answer the questions of the, the whole world, the mm -hmm. whole universe that God mm -hmm. has put in mm -hmm. front of us if it wasn't for this innate desire to know. Mm-hmm. And... and and you, that's such a mm -hmm. wonderful thing about mm -hmm. being in the image of God. Mm -hmm. That is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Exactly. Is that we can examine things and mm -hmm. we can, and I don't think God, like, faith isn't blind. Exactly. It's the means by which we see. Mm -hmm. And if you go back, if you go to Hebrews, obviously, I'm going to go to Hebrews because <laughs> I love it. Obviously, I was waiting it, for it. It gives a definition of faith. And why would we try and make our own? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for mm -hmm. and the conviction of things not seen the deep-seated conviction and a deep-seated mm -hmm. conviction comes through study mm -hmm. and comes through prayer mm -hmm. thoughtful thoughtful prayer of like okay i want to mm -hmm. know that this is true mm -hmm. and when you know that god is true as he shows us every single day look out your window mm -hmm. and examine the world that we mm -hmm. live in and you will come to a deep-seated conviction, a deep assurance of the thing that is hoped for, the thing that God is real mm -hmm. and that he loves us. Mm -hmm. You only have to look out your window. Exactly. To see all of these things, to have faith, and through your faith you see. Mm -hmm. Actually, I'd say not having faith is the most blinding thing. Yep. Yeah. 
I need to carry on from that. But yeah. So. I think that, yeah. Can it be a good thing? I think it can be. Because, but not, you know, when we think of deconstruction, we just kind of think of the people who just walk away from their faith. Mm -hmm. I truly think that the element of deconstruction can be looking at each brick individually in the wall Mm -hmm. and examining it for cracks, examining it for faults, examining the doctrine Mm. that we've been taught and weighing it against scripture. Being a good Berean. Being, yeah, we're supposed to be And looking, it's like, oh, they told told me this. What does the scripture say? exactly. And, like, looking at, you know, each doctrine through a biblical lens and deciding if that brick is good. You, you need to, th- mm-hmm. and then putting it back on and the wall pr- and rebuilding considering it. it and saying, Lord, I need your help. It's De- not, de- yeah. deconstruction, the biggest issue is they are always doing it all alone. Yeah. They're like, okay, well, God's over there uh-huh. and I need to see if mm-hmm. I want him. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the attitude. It's mm-hmm. like, well, I'm going to see if he's worth following, so mm-hmm. he's going to stay over there. But if you're... I hesitate to say deconstructing, but if you're deconstructing in a healthy way, you're standing right beside your mm-hmm. Father in Heaven and saying, Lord, is this a good one? Yeah. Is this good? Can I keep this? Yeah. Okay, I've been told this. Is this right? Is this yeah. is this within your, your scriptures, mm-hmm. your true word? Oh, yeah, this one's good? Okay, keeping mm-hmm. that. Keeping that. Help me keep this. Okay, I need your help to build this wall mm-hmm. so that I can follow you better, so that I can stand up closer to you. Good deconstruction requires... And demands reconstruction. You can't just deconstruct and leave it there. You need... Write that down, everybody. (laughs) You don't just take apart the pile of bricks and then leave the pile of bricks. Then you're defenseless. Mm -hmm. Enemy comes in. He will destroy. Yeah. Yeah. Flaming arrows. He's firing flaming arrows constantly. He... That takes... Yeah. The spiritual battle element, Mm -hmm. I think, is one that's ignored all Mm -hmm. the time. It's like the enemy does not want you to rebuild this wall. Yeah. He wants you to be defenseless so he can move in and and mm-hmm. plunker down on your couch mm-hmm. and whisper all of these evil, awful mm-hmm. things that are completely against God. Mm-hmm. And the deconstructionist, mm-hmm. uh, like the, the, the common one we're seeing, the ex-evangelicals, are saying, oh, yes, welcome. Welcome to my couch. Here's a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. You, are, you are most welcome here. And they're letting all these mm-hmm. lies get about mm-hmm. God. Did God really say? He's just sitting on your couch saying, did God really say that? Did God, did he really say that? Mm-hmm. Does he really love you? Does he, mm-hmm. did he actually make you and care mm-hmm. about you? And mm-hmm. does he make things that are useless? Mm-hmm. And does he make things that are pointless? Exactly. No, he does not. And like. <laughs> Get yeah. me all fired up, Pam. <laughs> it's not. It, I'm going to just put a little bit of a caveat here and say. Having, here we go. having doubts does not make you a bad Christian. No, it does not. Having questions. Pam, does being tempted make you no. a bad Christian? No. Was there someone who was perfect who was also tempted? In fact, yes. <laughs> what a concept. Christ was also tempted. Christ sat there and asked what the will of God was and asked him to take it away. Hey, and, and okay, so that, that, that guy who was perfect, what was his name again? I think that was Jesus. I think that was Jesus. I'm pretty sure. And it was he was Jesus. tempted, right? Yes, right? Three yeah, times. And what so. did he do three times to get rid of that temptation? He went to scripture. <gasps> what a concept! <laughs> and I think that people assume that, like, that's not an example of deconstruction and asking, oh, did God really say that in scripture? Mm-hmm. Did, can, can you actually provide for yourself? If, can, do you want 
or does it make sense for God to demand that much worship when, you know, we can worship the things of this world instead? Yeah, or worship ourselves. Or ourselves. And so we, we assume that if we're struggling with scripture, or struggling with it, what it says, mm. that that means we're not being faithful. That I think means the Lord wants yeah, you to wrestle with things. I just see so many people going like in scripture, going back to scripture and talking about it and thinking about it. And even, you know, the Pharisees who were pinnacles of scripture, they still had questions. Nicodemus. Paul? Nicodemus? They came and said, Lord, what does this mean? Like, Lord, like, what what is what is this supposed to do? How mm-hmm. does this and so I think Nicodemus is a great example. He is. He was a Pharisee yeah. of Pharisees. Exactly. Essentially, well, no, not quite. Well, like, Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees, but Nicodemus, we, we don't see his story directly. Like, we're never told, here's Nicodemus' testimony. But he shows up just enough times that we can get a really interesting picture. And we don't know all the details, obviously, but we see his conversation with Jesus in John chapter... Something. Three? I want to say three. John something. It's John something. And he comes and he has this really interesting conversation with Jesus in the dead of night. And he wanted to ask Jesus some questions. And he was really confused. But then we see him show up at the cross. And he helps take down Jesus' body. And he helps with that. And from that, we can assume rather, like, assuredly, that he wrestled with those things. He examined the scriptures. He examined everything he had been taught as a Pharisee. And he came to the conclusion that Jesus is the fulfillment of the whole entire scriptures. He's an excellent example of exactly. deconstructing. And so, like, can it be a good thing? I almost argue yes. When, it can be. And, and we use the word deconstruction, and it's a scary word, and it yeah. has all of these connotations to it. So I hesitate to use mm-hmm. it when it's in a healthy manner. I'd, I'd say, you could say, I'm wrestling with mm-hmm. my faith. I'm wrestling through the scriptures, and I'm going back to scripture and figuring out where maybe mm-hmm. I'm believing lies mm-hmm. that the devil has told me, and I'm believing things that people have told me that aren't necessarily scripturally based. People who maybe are very well-intentioned. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I hope that mm-hmm. that's not, like, if we throw out the words spiritual trauma and abuse mm-hmm. and all these things, and we think that those, but that's from an expectation that people are perfect. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily the identity of that person is, oh, well, they're an abuser mm-hmm. because they told me something that was wrong. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, but... Good teaching could also cause you to deconstruct your beliefs if you have been believing wrong. And that's part of it. Sometimes, well, most of the time, if you're deconstructing, it's because something that you were taught was not right and you're being presented with the truth. And so a lot of times it can come up and say, like, you know, I'm I'm hearing all these people who genuinely do love God say that God is good. And then he's you read the Minor Prophets and you sit there and like, well, how can that be good? Yeah. And so you go back to scripture and you analyze what scripture says. And the scripture says that the Lord is the creator of the universe. It says he's perfect. It says he's sovereign and glorious and so worthy of worship. And don't take my word for it. Go and read it. It says over and over Mm -hmm. how magnificent the, the heavens proclaim his handiwork. And that he is this great and powerful being that we have absolutely no clue how big he really mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. and the the thing with the ex-evangelicals the mainstream deconstructionism 
is they have a very small God. Very small. He's small and he's just like us. So small. And he's not sovereign. He's not holy. He's not, I guess I threw out the words omniscient and omnipotent earlier. He's not all-knowing. He's not all-wise in their eyes. And he's, well, they're saying, well, if he's all-knowing and all-wise, then why does he let bad things happen? That's the biggest, that's the one I hear the most often. Why did this thing happen to me? Why, 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 why? And the first thing you have to answer to that is, well, it's because we chose this. We are not separate from Adam and Eve. We're no better than them. We're not smarter than them. We would have done the exact same thing. We, we would have eaten the fruit. We would have disobeyed God. And we disobey God all the time. We're fallen and broken. So that's reason number one. Why did this happen to me? And reason number two, if there had never been a fall, I don't think we ever, as mankind, would have fully understood how much God loves us. It is so intentional. He is, he doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't do things flippantly. That's a big thing. He's all-knowing and all-wise and sees into the future. He has such a plan that is so intricate. We can never wrap our minds around it. You took creation evidences. There's so many things in the world and in the human body that's like, wow, that would never have made sense without the cross of Jesus Christ. It had to happen this way. Had to. There was no plan B. This wasn't the contingency plan. You're not the, the, the outlier or mistake or something like that. No, it's intentional. It's intentional to bring glory to God who is worthy of receiving that glory and honor. And you know, like, if you have a high view of scripture and you go into deconstruction, you're going to come up with a strong faith. Because it says in 1 Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed. What's it useful for? It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And Mm. if you hold those things in high regard, if you have a genuine desire to grow in your faith, the scripture is sufficient. Oh, and I think the Lord is so faithful he to help is. those who truly seek him. If you just if you're just like I just want to know God better. And if that's your heart, the Lord is so faithful to to help to guide. I I see that with with the dreams that the Lord is providing to Muslims in completely secluded countries. They've never heard the name of Jesus. It's illegal. There's two Christians in the whole country kind of thing. And the Lord is revealing himself to those people who just truly want to know who God is and they don't want to worship themselves. They've looked at the world, they've looked at their own problems and said, I can't do this on my own. There must be a God because this, the whole world exists, the universe, the stars are proclaiming his glory. I think the Lord is so faithful to reveal himself to those people. I truly believe that because he's so good. And goodness does not look the way we expect it to look. At all. If I had my, if I had my desire of goodness, if like the, if I was, if I was all powerful and theocratic dictator of the world and I said, well, this is my idea of good. I'm going to implement that. It would so quickly fall apart because I don't truly know what goodness is and I don't truly know what's best. And that takes a lot of humility. And I'm still growing in that because I definitely want my idea of goodness to come forth, right? I'm saying it for all of us. Like, we, we, 
we don't really know what goodness means. We don't really know what's right or best. And, it, and you have to admit that before you're going to try and understand scripture as well. You know, like you have to admit, oh, I don't know anything. And our culture does not tell us to admit that. Our culture is, is actually, it's such a, a petri dish for deconstructionism and deconstructing poorly. Because constantly we're being told that, oh, you know what's best for you. It's your truth. It's your truth. You know what's best. You should do what is best for you. And you should make yourself happy. Because that's the, that is peak human existence in our world's eyes. I think, um, just in the last couple minutes, I'm going to say, um, if you are someone who is deconstructing, turn to scripture, mm. turn to the living, active word of God, let people know what you're struggling with, mm -hmm. let godly people know who you struggle with, mm. And be open. And, and examine yeah. what those godly people yeah. say with the scripture. And then also be open and honest with God. Mm. And ask for his help and his guidance as you deconstruct. Do we think we can hide things from him? I think we do. I think we think we have, we have all these fig leaves yeah. that we, we put in our yeah. minds and our hearts. And we think, well, I'll just hide that bit from God. I'll pretend at church that yeah. I love God. It's like, the Lord knows when we struggle. Yeah. And he wants us to come to him. I think of like... Punchinello. I don't know if you ever read these books as a kid, but there was this, these really wonderful books by Max Licato about a carpenter who made all of these little wooden puppets, essentially. It sounds kind of creepy, honestly, but it's such a lovely, wonderfully drawn. And there's one main character named Punchinello. And he has all of these different adventures and he has all these different problems and he's constantly needing to go to his maker, Eli, and saying, Eli, I need your help. Mm -hmm. And Eli's like, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, I noticed. Mm -hmm. And he, Eli is so wonderfully caring. Mm -hmm. And he always picks up Punchinello and says, why didn't you come to me sooner? Mm -hmm. I could have helped you. Mm -hmm. I can help. Mm -hmm. And it's just, oh, it always makes me want to worship God because it's such a wonderful allegory. Mm -hmm. <laughs> such a wonderful allegory. For our Father in Heaven, He's the Carpenter. He's mm -hmm. the one who made us, and He's always saying, oh, "My mm -hmm. dear, my dear child, why didn't you come to me sooner?" And He's not. It's not condescending. He says it with so much love, mm -hmm. so much love and care. He's so patient with us. I think mm -hmm. a lot of the deconstructionism, they they really think God is impatient, mm -hmm. and that's what happens when they don't mm -hmm. do that. That's the beginning of not doing it well. Is you think, well, God doesn't have the patience to deal with me. No, no, no. He certainly does. He certainly has the patience to deal with us all the time. Otherwise, he would have smitten us off the earth long ago. And you won't get all the answers right away. You won't. No. You, it, we serve an infinite God. And I think sometimes we expect when we're wrestling with things, we're going to find the answers. Hmm. And there comes a little bit of humility that... Needs to happen. A lot of humility. Say, Actually, I might not know this by the mm. end of my life. Mm -hmm. This might be something I struggle with at the end of my life and be willing to not know and not have an answer. Because if you're looking for an answer for everything, you will explain away God. Mm. And ask yourself why you yeah. think you need an answer for mm -hmm. everything. Just, just examine why. 
Why do I feel the need to know everything? You know what? I think the, the innate desire for that is a good one. The desire to know. The mm-hmm. desire to have questions answered. I don't think that's a wrong thing. Mm-mm. But you, it is a prideful thing to think that we are, we are owed an answer or that we somehow deserve an answer for everything. That we're entitled to it. That's mm-hmm. the word I'm looking for. We're not entitled to answers. And just to wrap up, I'm also going to say, like, if you see your friends struggling and wrestling and maybe even deconstructing, first off, don't sensationalize it. Mm. Don't treat it like it's something bigger than it is. Mm-hmm. Don't get, don't panic and think to yourself, wow, I'm losing my best friend. I'm not going to be. They're, they're apostatizing. No, they're not. No. That's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. Come alongside them and pray for them. Present them with scripture. Pour and out truth and remind them of who God is. I've never stopped preaching the gospel to people who have heard it a million times. Because mm-hmm. we always need it. I've, mm-hmm. I've been in the church my entire life. I've been a Christian since I was five years old. I've heard the gospel. And I've come from a really great church. Preaches the gospel every single Sunday. I still need the gospel. I still need it. All the time. And I think, Pam, mm-hmm. if you stopped preaching the gospel, I'd say, girl, what's wrong with you? Exactly. Why did you stop telling me this? It's something I need mm-hmm. every single day. Mm-hmm. Don't stop preaching the gospel to you, to your friends, friends who have heard it a million mm-hmm. times. You know, I think, a, and, and you can know a lot of where a person's heart is, where it's like, if you preach them Jesus, and they say, oh, I've heard that before. Whoa. You need to stop them in their tracks, sit them down, and lovingly explain to them why they still need the gospel, right? And, and tell them, okay, you need to bring her down there, bud. Like, you're, that's a pride thing. You need to examine why you just said that to me and why you said you don't need Jesus. Please explain to me how you are going to manage without him, since he is your life and breath, and he is wisdom from God, and he's the bread of life, and he is our good shepherd, and he's our only means of salvation, so, so sit them down and present them with that more lovingly and less sarcastically than I am doing mm-hmm. at the moment. And say, okay, what makes you think you have something better to offer from within yourself? Mm-hmm. Because you don't. Right? And that's the heart of it, is you need Jesus. Mm-hmm. I need Jesus. Pam needs Jesus. We all need Jesus. Sure do. Don't try and live without him. Because there is no life apart from him. Yeah. You got me really fired up with this episode, Pam. I, did. I didn't think that would happen. I thought you'd be the one who would go off on all the rants. <sighs> I'm here for just entertainment purposes. It's here for a good time. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. But, yeah. Any other really concluding thoughts? I guess we've said as we wrap up at least three times now. So. That was really heavy. That was very heavy. Um, go practice some self care, y'all. Make yourself well, some coffee. Make yourself a cup of coffee. Go, go read the book. What 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 should we give people to read, as they as they go from here? Because we should end this with some scripture. First John. Go read First John. Go read First John. Go and read First John. Go read Genesis. Oh, and just and remember the power of God and the gospel that is mm. found, mm-hmm. um, in Him and Him alone, and hmm. remember that He does love us. Remember that he's faithful. Remember that he has the power to be faithful. Scripture is full of some really extravagant promises. 
ones where it's like, if you read them, not knowing God at all, where it's like, he promises to pull us out of the sin and death and mire of this world and make us alive and live forever with him. He does. Sorry, what? That is the most incredible promise anyone has ever given. And he's faithful to make it come about. And he makes it come about in his perfect timing. Wow. Sit and marvel with that. Sit and praise God. I hope this leads you to worship. I hope this leads you to think about God and just think, wow, yeah, he, he is faithful to make all of these promises come true. Not a single word of them mm-hmm. shall fail. All of them shall come to pass. I don't know mm-hmm. what I'm paraphrasing, but... That's in Joshua. Not a, not a, yeah, not one of the good words of God had failed. All of them came to pass and they still are coming to pass. Some of them have not come to pass yet. But since he's been faithful in the past and has always been faithful to Israel, to Abraham, his promises, he promised a man who had no children, who was a hundred years old, that he would have a, he would have a nation come from him numbered as the sand on the seashore. That is an impossible promise in our eyes. And he made it come to pass. He's been faithful to David. He promised David a kingdom that would never fail. Think of, if you know your history, every single kingdom has failed. Every single kingdom of man has failed. But Jesus has been established as that Davidic king and his reign never ends. He's been faithful to them. Don't you think he can be faithful to you? And with that, be blessed in the most chaotic way possible. And enjoy your coffee.